With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome again to the Across the Pond Sports Podcast. Uh, got week five almost in the books, um, given the the. Bills and the Titans have still got to play. Um, we've got a big show for you lined up. Uh, Katie is going to be here all the way through. Uh, we're going to have a special guest. Sean Palmer is going to be joining us from the Doc Doc Goose podcast. Uh, he is a, a physical therapist, athletic trainer uh, from Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, he did work for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, back in 2009. Uh, He's going to come on and talk to us about the Dak Prescott injury uh, and, you know, everything that's associated with that, the actual injury itself, uh, rehab and so on. Um, So we can get an idea of, you know, what we're never going to know and and thankfully I hope none of you ever have to know what that kind of is going to entail and and how much hard work is ahead of Dak. Um, So we've got a lot coming up on the show. So looking forward to it. Uh, We'll go through the games as normal, see how myself and Katie have done with uh, Guess the Win Lines. Uh, We'll have Sean do his uh, five sports films as well. That should be quite interesting. Uh, And we'll we'll take it from there. Um, As always, get us uh, on Facebook, uh, and on Instagram, Across the Pond Sports Podcast, um, on Twitter at ATP Sports Pod. Um, for um, Sean uh, and his team at Doc Doc uh, Goose Podcast, um, do search for them wherever you look for podcasts uh, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also get um, Sean uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Real Sean Palmer. Um, so you can have a look for him on there. Um, he spells Sean S H A U N. Um, there's a couple of different spellings out there. Um, they also have a, a website, www.ddgpodcast.com. That'll give you a rundown uh, at the end as well. Um, but by all means, have a listen to them. Um, but let's move on straight away. Right after this, we'll have Sean and Katie. Okay, so as well as being joined by Katie this week, we also have Sean. Uh, Sean is a physical therapist and 
athletic trainer uh, based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, he's also uh, one of the hosts of Doc Doc Goose podcast. Um, that podcast consists of two docs and uh, Sean as well, and a goose. And the goose gives out um, medical questions and they are set to answer those questions. Um, so that can be anything to do with coronavirus, broken legs, whatever that may be. Um, they, they will go through and, and break things down to kind of layman's terms because I know going to the doctor can be quite intimidating at times. So um, we've got Sean. Um, they have their own podcast, as I say. Uh, uh, Doc, Doc Goose podcast, so go and listen to that. They also have a website, www.ddgpodcast.com, um, and you can get um, Sean on Instagram and on Twitter at Real Sean Palmer. Um, so give them a follow and do have a listen to their podcast as well. And now, Sean, the real reason we brought you on uh, this week is we've seen a horrific injury uh, at the weekend on Sunday uh, in one of the late games. Dak Prescott, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, um, went down and went down bad. Um, he's got a compound fracture uh, and also uh, a dislocated. Um, ankle. I don't know. Now, please explain to me how you can have both at the same time. <laughs> One kind of causes the other. Maybe that's the easier way to put it in terms. Um, so it, it, it was a horrific injury uh, to watch, especially as watching someone that kept replaying it over and over in slow motion. It actually happened over two different steps. It's like, all right, that's enough. I don't need to see that, that much of it again. It's kind of rough, kind of like when you watch those old films, like the guy's knee being bent backwards or something like that. Oh, those are kind of rough to watch. Um, so for him, it actually happened over two different steps. The first step, and this is kind of common for a lot of injuries in sports, uh, especially like turf sports is your cleat getting caught in the grass. And it looks like that might be a little bit of what happens. He's trying to drag his, his, his feet to the sides. He's kind of shuffling left to avoid a tackle. Yep. It looks like his foot may got pushed into the, the grass a little bit by the other guy's leg. And so it caught. <clears throat> so what it does, it takes the foot and it turns it to the outside. It's called external rotation. And that kind of pulls this bone. So you know, we have our heel bone. So I'm going to try to make give a visual picture as best as I can of, of setting this up sure. for you. You have, you have you know, your, your, for layman's terms, your heel bone. Um, it's called your calcaneus. Um, it's what you actually are putting pressure on uh, through your heel. And around top of that, you have what's called your talus. So your talus sits up there and then you have these two bones that come down on top of it. That's your tibia and your fibula. So your tibia is your shin bone. So that's the one in front, the big one you can feel. And you have a smaller one down, down uh, the side of your leg called your fibula. It's a smaller bone. It's hidden deep, deeper in muscle. So what happens now that it's a specific called type of joint, your ankle joint, it's called a mortise joint. So that talus, okay. The bone that's right on top of your heel yeah. It pushes up into the other two and it causes a wedge. Um, there are a lot of ligaments that hold that together. Now, if you put enough pressure down and you rotate that foot a certain way, like his does, yeah. it pops it like front and out of that joint, <clears throat> um, which tears a couple of ligaments just in process of doing that. Yeah. So that happened the first step he took. The next step he took down, it was that the bottom of that shin bone, your tibia digging down into the ground and then that fractures the tibia because it's not, it's not meant to hold that, that amount of weight, the way that the ankle joint forms, uh, it distributes weight in a certain way, um, that that type of thing can't happen. Um, so like you said, it ends up with a, an ankle compound fracture, 
Um, so the, the dislocation happened first, the weight came down on that tibia and then caused that, that fracture. Um, I actually have two patients right now that both have this exact same thing. Um, one of it had, one of them was skiing, one of them was, was, uh, playing soccer. Uh, so I'm intimately familiar with this rehab here <laughs> recently. Um, not a fun injury at all. No. Uh, as you can see his foot kind of dangling as he came up off of it and thank God for all the padding. And I don't know, I don't know if his ankle was taped or not, but then also having the sock there, you couldn't see the bone sticking through the, the skin, but that was, that was likely out there as well. So I remember uh, just a couple of years ago, um, there was a basketball player, Gordon Hayward, yeah. um, for the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was his first game. I'm a jazz fan. So I wasn't a big fan of him at the time because he just left us. Um, and he, very very similar kind of injury although he he came down on someone else's foot that that caused it um and like you say i just remember the video and i i only watched it once because it made me a bit nauseous if i'm honest Um, but his his foot was like it literally looked like it was just hanging off the end of his leg Mm -hmm. was not not pretty no definitely not connected the way it's meant to no well, and one thing that James did not mention um, with your introduction here is that um, he is a diehard Cowboys fan. So this broke, you know, back <laughs> oh. ankle, but it also broke James' heart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> it, it, it has, it has. I've, I've had a tough season as it is, and my heart is now just completely ripped out and on the floor. Well, <laughs> let, let me make this better for you. So let's bring this back. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Team we have here, the Arizona Cardinals, play the Cowboys next week. So here we breathe a little sigh of relief that he's not going to be in this game. <laughs> I saw that we were not favored to win. So sorry to, to dig that, that knife in a little bit deeper, but there you go. That's all right. I, I've got Kyler Murray on my, on my fantasy team. Team, so it's hey. fine. I can I can buy that <laughs> consolation no. prize, right? Yeah. Well, Sean, I was gonna say, like, realistically, I mean, is it? Po- they were saying six months for this type of rehab for Dax. Do you think it's possible for one for him to rehab and, and two to to really come back from a, a horrible injury like this? Yeah. Uh, so the, the full timetable is like four to six months, um, especially. One thing when when I was with the Raiders on their medical staff, I came to realize is how hard you push some of these professional athletes, especially post post op. Um, so they're going to push them really hard, doing as much as absolutely possible. And when you when you work with professional teams, you have some tools at your disposal to get people moving faster than the normal normal places would. Um, so I'll give you one example. This is is what's called an Alter G treadmill, which is like a sixty thousand dollar treadmill that um, person can get in, you zip them in. It's like an air bladder that pushes them up and you can control what percentage of their weight they're actually walking on. Um, which for this type of fracture is, is nice for them because they can actually get him running a lot faster because they can put him to like 5% body weight and let him run. And it's still safe on the ankle because you're not putting that much weight on it, but he's still keeping his cardio up. He's still, um, keeping the tone of all the other muscles involved. Um, so there's some cool things that they can do with these athletes to get them back a lot faster. Um, as uh, for your answer, is it really possible to come back? There's, there's actually quite a few athletes. Um, it's interesting. It's happened in week five because you just had one of the, the craziest examples of injuries and surgeries just come back. And that's Alex Smith. Yes. Um, 17 surgeries. 
uh, almost lost his leg several times because of, a, of an infection. And he's back out there playing um, as an NFL quarterback again. One of the coolest uh, comeback stories, if you see his his documentary, what he went through. Um, just terrific. But absolutely, it's possible to come back. Yeah, he, he's he's kind of uh, a kind of modern-day miracle because he was not looking good um, for even having two legs, never mind getting back onto a field, and he, he's managed to do that. Yeah, really cool story if you watch ESPN's documentary on him. Um, so, so the physical side uh, is going to be tough, and there's no doubt about that. But Prescott it comes across as very, very methodical and 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 how he does things, and very kind of singular focused. Um, but even at, at a mental strain, this kind of injury, uh, it's got to have a big mental impact as well. Absolutely, I, I think. You know, when I saw him being carted off and the tears on his face, I, I really don't think, A, that that's really physical pain that you were seeing on his face. I think a lot of that was the emotional and mental toll of it, especially all they went through in, in the off season with um, trying to get a contract. You know, he, yeah. he had a lot to prove, and that was huge, um, trying to get to the point of a contract, and he didn't get the long-term one he was looking for. Um, that weighs so heavily on those players because you, uh, you're one play away from – your career ending, uh, especially in the NFL and professional sports in general, but NFL, the stakes are way, way higher. Uh, because if you can't rehab back to that, to that point, you're done. Um, and whatever you've made to that point, that's what you're going to make. So I'm sure that's a, that's a huge emotional toll on him as well. Trying to uh, work onto the franchise tag this year and prove himself, you know, this is, this is his year to prove himself. So next year he could get that long-term yeah. contract and uh, you know, it's going to weigh heavily on him. I think, and I hope that the Cowboys don't do this, but I did see previously the the Washington football team under their former guys um, did this with uh, Kirk Cousins where they kept franchise tagging him. I really hope that they don't go down that route and make him try and test himself again. I think he's pretty much given um, everything he could this season, given that he was the the top uh, top passer in the game. Uh, through the first four four weeks, um, he had done a, a tremendous job. Um, in terms of kind of getting back, um, obviously we talked four to six months. Now, four to six months is the physical side, mm-hmm. but I, I remember seeing Gordon Hayward come back. Um, I remember seeing Paul George come back um, from a broken leg as well. Um, their confidence in their legs. Now, obviously, basketball is a very different game because you're up in the air a lot. Um, and depending on what kind of quarterback, you can be up in the air a lot as well. Um, but if how long will it take for him to really have confidence in that leg again? You, you know, that is a timetable. It's really hard to say. It could be ready at that time. Um, in that four to six month period, or it could take longer. Um, you know, the, through the later stages of his rehab, there are a couple important things is beyond just getting the early stuff, the range of motion, the muscle, um, or sorry, the strength in it. When you get beyond that and you are then doing like cutting drills, um, pushing off, throwing, and then you think of the mentality of um, getting blindsided by a tackle and adding that whole, whole element into it as well. There are so many different issues that he could take really well and have no setbacks at all. And uh, his mental toughness carries him through, or he could get 
uh, nervous about th things, a little bit anxious, even things that aren't really predictable by the staff until you get in that, in that situation or even him. There are other things even physically that can happen when you get into really increasing someone into um, more of those cutting drills and pushing off hard is the hardware they put in for the fracture. Does that bother him at all? Um, did any other anatomy change just slightly in the surgery that um, you couldn't account for that is going to throw him off a little bit? Um, not throw off like timing from throwing, but just doesn't feel quite right to him. So a lot of question marks just to make sure he can come back. I mean, our, our surgical procedures are so good that they're definitely able to. Um, they can come back at a very high level, no problems whatsoever. Um, I think first is just these physical hurdles of when he gets into um, – those bigger football related drills and then getting hit. Um, and if he's okay with that, how they're going to pad, uh, how they're going to pad it. Some, uh, some athletes have trouble with adjusting to different braces they have to wear or something like that. So a lot of question marks like that, that are going to come up uh, in his rehab. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a long road ahead for him. Uh, definitely wish him well, not just as a Cowboys fan. It, it really wouldn't matter what team he played for. Um, but yeah, I uh, really hope he's, he's uh, I mean, certainly from the picture his brother took of him uh, in the hospital, um, th there were smiles. Yeah. I don't know if that was maybe the drug. Because <laughs> uh, I'd imagine, I imagine they probably doped him up by the time that picture was right. taken. Um, <laughs> so he's probably not feeling too much at that point, um, thankfully. Uh, right, so just a, a quick word. Obviously, you guys have done some shows on COVID. Um, obviously, just now at the moment, there's a lot of schedule rearranging going on um, daily, as it seems. Um, how big is this COVID impact going to have on the season? I, I posed the question in our kind of group on Facebook. Will we see a, a, a Super Bowl for the first time in March? Is that a real possibility? I... From from what we've seen so far this year, as long as there aren't any big surprises, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. They're asking the same question about um, the World Series just a few months ago, if we'd be able to get to that point, and, they, sure. and they've done it. Um, kind of operating off of basically the same thing the NFL has with the players being home with their their families and then coming in with, with some, some precautions laid in. Um, now, football has a much more robust testing procedure even than, than baseball does. Um, so I'd say you probably have a pretty good chance. Uh, I'm kind of surprised, I guess, that they don't have more leeway for some bye weeks. Maybe they would have been a little bit uh, more prepared going into the season, having a little more time knowing things could be delayed and having a couple of bye weeks built in maybe. Um, but so far they're rearranging some stuff. It seems like it'll work. Um, I think we'll make it. I'm hoping we'll make it. Yeah. I mean, there's a few teams that are, are going to be a bit, grumbled because they're getting shorter weeks right. and shorter rest weeks and stuff so i guess there's that kind of side of it but potentially that having shorter rest weeks could lead to kind of more injuries and more more issues for teams further down the line Absolutely. as well if you've got less rest i mean injuries that what you're seeing since we're talking about injury to begin this podcast i mean that's that's throughout the entire league it's it, it's almost concerning when you see how many injuries and more catastrophic ones there are this year and that comes to a couple of things is a, like you said, less rest and sometimes are jumbling these schedules around, but also not having that proper preseason where these guys are able to ramp up into it. It's hard to fully prepare to a certain level. If you don't have anything that, you know, you are preparing for, cause they didn't know if the season was going to go and then not have a preseason and going from zero to game speed. That's, that's a, a big toll on the body. Yeah. I mean, I'm what I, I started playing basketball again, 
when I was 30, I'd had about 12 years away. Um, I had a, a very long pre-season right through summer <laughs> and the actual pre-season. Um, and even then, I still wasn't ready to go, probably till about two years after. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we've seen the 49ers. We, we've seen an, an, they're probably the biggest team who have lost probably the most players. Um, they, they've had a, a huge amount of disruption with injuries after kind of week two when they played at MetLife. Um, and that was a turf as well. So um, that could definitely lead to that. Um, so we'll move on to some more fun. Um, so as always, um, I have my guests prepare their um, five top sports films. Uh, so Sean, um, I-, I asked you earlier if you had them, you do. So well done <laughs> for your homework. <laughs> so uh, we'll go through your five and-, and we'll see what you've got compared to what me, me Katie, you did have when we did ours way back when. So what's your number five? Oh, oh okay. In, in this order. All right. I was going to go through chron- chronologically. Let-, let me redo my order here. I'm going to say number five <laughs> is going to be, I'll preface on my list. Um, so I was born in the 80s. So in the 90s, when I was in a very formidable point in my, in, in my life and uh, wanted to be a professional baseball player. So any professional sports, professional baseball uh, movies in that time period is really going to catch my attention. I was going to watch it over and over. Um, so let's put number five at Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, that is a Angel great driving. one. I actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you, James, but I, that was one of the ones I was like, that's I okay. can't believe I forgot to put Angels on the Outfield on my top five. So I guess that's going to be number six on my top 10, but I watched <laughs> that so many times. That was such a great movie. And we've, we've actually not had that one. Yet. Oh, <laughs> so good. That, that's a new one. For <laughs> us. What's your number four? Uh, let's again, let's stick with baseball movies in the nineties and the rookie. The rookie. Yeah. I had the rookie on right. as well. Um, it was a, a film dear to my heart. I sat and watched it. Uh, first time with my dad so uh, yeah I'm a big fan of that one um, let's get a little more uh, recent and the blind side I think it's a great motivational one that anyone needs to have on their list somewhere yeah I, I'm a big fan even my wife who is not a big sports fan uh, she loves that film mm-hmm. as well so uh, definitely a big fan of Sandra Bullock in there I'm going to say number Two is Moneyball. I really appreciate that one recently with the inner workings of the of the Oakland A's and how they're starting to put together this new idea of how you how you put together a successful baseball team looking at stats. So I'm gonna put my hands up. I am an A's fan. Um so I, I also am a big fan of that film as well. Um did have been to the Coliseum uh, to see the A's. So yeah, definitely a big fan of Moneyball. And what's your what's your number one? I'm guessing Jerry Maguire. No, but I, no, we're, okay. we're going with Epic on this one, though. This is Major League. Oh, <laughs> Come on. I, I, don't, I don't care whether it's one or two. Did they make a three? I can't remember if there's three, but that's, <laughs> that, that's one of the most iconic baseball films of all time. If, if that's anywhere on TV and I'm scrolling through, I will stop and watch that. So there are films that I will stop and watch. Unfortunately, Major League and, and in all honesty, baseball <laughs> films as a whole in the UK uh, don't get shown a lot. Um, so Major League, I think I have only seen once and I don't even think I've seen number two. <laughs> One was probably the best of them, but uh, I'd, I'd go back and take a look at those when you, when you have a chance. 
Awesome. I uh, might have to get onto my Apple TV later on and, and have a look at those. <laughs> and Angel's in the back as well, because I've not seen that one. Outfield, he's, he's thinking soccer. He's in the UK, the backfield. <laughs> <laughs> you guys may have had your own version. I don't know. We have the outfield here in the US. <laughs> I, no, I was actually thinking of outfielder. So there, <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Um, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about this injury and uh, how, uh, how healing process will work and rehab. And uh, I think it hopefully has given a lot of our listeners uh, some food for thought in terms of how injuries work and um, and what Dak has got to look forward to really over the next four mm-hmm. to six months. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Excellent. Thank you so much, Thank you guys. Okay, so we are back, and we're going to look at the rest of the, the actual games that happened uh, over the last weekend. We're going to start off on Thursday, uh, where we had the Buccaneers taking on the Chicago Bears, a surprising team that has done pretty well this season. Um, Katie, last week you said that Thursday night games can throw up all kind of things. Um, I didn't see them, and you didn't see them throwing up a Bears win. No, I did not see that coming at all. But, I again, I, I remember I was saying, like, I think it's going to be closer than what we think, um, mostly just because of uh, Thursday night. And those Thursday night games, I tell you, anything can happen. Um, <laughs> but Tom Brady, you know, it's – without Chris Godwin. So maybe that kind of had a little bit to do with it. Ronald Jones had a great night. Um, Gronk finally got involved. So, you know, I think that it took until week five to really become like a factor on the Bucks offense. But um, yeah, I think that the Bears came out and they really, you know, threw a lot at Tom Brady and, you know, were constantly in his face. Um, and despite them having zero rushing game they they're the ones with a four and one record not the bucks yeah um i I was quite surprised by this um nick Foles actually had a a pretty pretty decent game um through for 243 yards and a touchdown um only one interception you know uh, no biggie um alan robinson was pretty decent um nine yards of 10 receptions so um just under 10 yards of reception there um, and he did kind of pepper the, the throws around the place thereafter. Um, again, running game, just not there. That that was a big shock for me. I, I kind of thought, I mean, we talked about it last week, where teams that are running and passing well or teams that are, are kind of predominantly winning. Um, but I would say that Brady had a bad throwing night. He didn't throw an interception. He's pretty solid that regard. But just in terms of 41 passes, only 25 completions. Um, And by his standards, I'm sure he'll agree, uh, is pretty poor. And they had one guy rushing the ball all night long, and that was Ronald Jones. And if you're the only kind of option rushing, you're going to get tired real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's – I just think that with with Thursday games, everything is up in the air, and the Bears were the – ones that came out and took advantage of that. Yeah, totally. So the Bears uh, win it uh, 20 to 19. So well done to the Bears. They uh, march on with a win. Uh, so move on to our Sunday games. Uh, who have you got up first? 
Uh, I have Washington and the Rams, and I'm glad to see that the Rams came out and just destroyed uh, the Washington footballers. Um, <laughs> because well, now we know that they are they are the Rams. Because there was a lot going on. Where I was like, what is going on with the with the Rams this year? Are are yeah. they good or are they not good? Um, and they came out and they showed us that they're good. Uh, the highlight of the entire game for me was seeing Alex Smith go back out there. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it in the first half with, you know, what a horrible injury Alex Smith endured. And the fact that he's back out there uh, on the football field, I mean, it it wasn't, um, you know, a MVP type of game. But the fact that he came back out there and he, he want, uh, you know, played, is that's the biggest highlight. To, for me, um, of, of the entire game. Yeah, um, seeing him come out, um, seeing him get a standing ovation uh, from his wife and kids uh, mm-hmm. was probably a really special moment for him, uh, coming back and and that being the fruits of his labor uh, of going through all that rehab, that was probably uh, the moment he was really kind of waiting for. Um, I was glad to see his first um, pass was caught and, and everything went well because um, I think after that I think you need I think probably when any player comes back from any injury that's what you need you just need that first one to hit um, so you can start to feel a bit confidence um, yeah he, he didn't set the world on fire um, but it, again it was the Rams that are playing this Rams team that one week play pretty well the next week don't play so well they're just kind of grinding out games um, I, I was I was yeah the Washington football team are pretty abysmal. They're they're not well, doing anything really much in this game. Yeah, and I think too, like there's a lot of um, unhappy camps between head coach and former quarterback yeah. uh, Dwayne Haskins because he missed the game. He wasn't even at the stadium because quote unquote of a I think a stomach flu. Um, but in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think that it's they're. they're pro- I saw something that they're probably looking to trade him. I don't know what they'll get for him, but uh, maybe he, a change of scenery would be the best option for him. But he's. Uh, I, you know, you know, everyone knows how I I feel about Dwayne Haskins as a quarterback, but I do kind of feel like he's gotten a raw deal. Um, brand new coach, brand new system, and he played four weeks under it, and now he's benched and possibly being traded. So I do feel bad for the guy. Um, I don't think that that's a good situation uh, for any player to have to be in. Uh, it's a very, very short amount of time to try and prove yourself. But, yeah. um, you know, hopefully he's able to either in, enjoy being a backup or they, they are able to trade him and he gets another opportunity elsewhere. No, I agree. Um, so we both had the Rams winning this, unsurprisingly. Uh, you had them winning by seven. Uh, I had them winning by 13. Um, so I win uh, the first game, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, um, uh, next game we're going to move on to, though, is uh, a game that I uh, was looking forward to on Red Zone. And I'm not, I don't think I'm going to say this about the Eagles as much this year. Um, but the Steelers-Eagles game was actually really, really good. Um, There's a lot of action, uh, a lot lot of touchdowns. Um, Ben Roethlisberger was immense, and we've seen an emergence of a a new star um, in Chase Claypool. Holy cow. I mean, that guy, 
he's going to be flying off of the of the waiver wire this week. Um, but yeah, he had his coming out party against the Eagles. That's for sure. Well, I thought uh, Smith-Schuster was pretty good, and I thought he would be kind of the, the go-to guy. Um, but very much, um, Big Ben was just hitting Claypool all over the place. It was four touchdowns um, Claypool had. Um, and, yeah, he was he was all over the place. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he even had a rushing touchdown too. I mean, it, it was – but that is what's great is if you have two wide receivers like – Juju and by like Claypool that you can't have a number one corner on, on each guy. Um, I mean, and so someone each week is going to be open. And if you have another wide receiver, that's my Claypool's caliber there one, either Juju or Claypool is going to be having monster weeks each and every week. So, and and James Conner looked awesome. He looked back and, and healthy. So the Steelers are looking pretty darn good this year. They are indeed. Um, on the Eagles' side, Carson Wentz didn't have a – he did throw two interceptions, but otherwise probably didn't have the greatest of games, 35 for 20, um, only 258 yards. Um, again, just at, at moments in this game, he looked like he was three years ago, two to three years ago, whereas now he, he, at other points he just didn't look that great. Um, Travis Wilkham had a – a pretty decent game, 10 receptions, 152 yards and a touchdown. He's probably the highlight of, of that Eagles team. Um, so, yeah, I think the Eagles were probably hoping for a bit more, but Big Ben um, and those receivers just went wild on them. Yeah, it, um, it so, was uh, – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so we, we both um, had the Steelers to, to win this game. Um, so I had them by 18, uh, but you had them by seven. So, so you win this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the, the Be- next game that you had? <laughs> I have next up, I have uh, the Jets and the Cardinals. And we all knew going into this game that the Jets were not a very good team. Um, and they, they showed up like a team that's not very good and lost to the Cardinals by 20. Um, and, I mean, it, there's nothing really to say on the Cardinal side of the ball because they were playing to their level against a really, really bad team. They were playing great football against a team that's not very good. And I just – I don't understand what why Adam Gase has still got a job. I mean, he has one of the best running backs in the game, and he ran the ball 13 times for 60 yards, which is fine, and – he only had one catch for seven yards and you have one of the, he's one of the best pass catching running backs in the league. And to only get him the ball one time is. So I have, I have heard a rumor about Le'Veon Bell as well. Um, that he's that the being Jets traded? Are, yeah. The Jets are looking to trade him. Yeah. But I, I don't understand. I mean, I, you have, again, get rid of that coach, get rid of the coach and get some guy in there that's going to utilize the best player on the field to the best of his abilities. It's, it blows my mind as to why the Jets organization is standing behind Adam Gase so much right now, because one, if they trade Le'Veon Bell and then let's say they win, they lose three more games, you know that Adam Gase is out of there anyways. And now you just traded away the best guy on the field. I mean, 
probably better it, to let him run than Joe Flacco throw the ball 33 times. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it's that's exactly it. I And I was talking to one of my friends about this over the weekend about how inadequately the Jets are using, you know, Bell. And it just – he said, well, Bell kind of dug his own grave. I mean, he's the guy that sat out a season and demanded to be traded. And yeah. it's true. I mean, he was in a very good system. He had a good quarterback with Ben Roethlisberger. I know they didn't get along. But, I mean, he was one of the best backs in the league. He was being utilized like one of the best backs in the league, and he demanded to be out of there. And now I think he's making less money on a team that doesn't even use him the right way. It's it's a really frustrating situation, and I, I, I don't understand what the Jets are doing. Every week I'm, I'm just blown away as to how poorly they're being run as a football team. Could the, the Broncos offer anything up for Levin? No, no way. Not now, not after they signed Melvin Gordon. Philip Lindsay's back. Philip Lindsay's a great running back. Um, he's he's a little guy. I think he's only like five six or five seven. But I mean, he use, he plays like a, a lot bigger. And I think that yeah. um, I think that between the two of them, there's no reason for the Broncos to be interested. I I see maybe the Patriots um, being being one of those teams that might show an interest because. You know, who knows? Bill Belichick will find some way of utilizing him. Maybe the Dolphins. Maybe he'll go play for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Gaskin hasn't been playing, you know, super amazingly. Maybe the Rams um, because they're kind of using a three-headed attack. I, I don't know. It's He's got I, options. He's got options, and I think that the Jets should hang on to him and get rid of that coach. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm pretty much along with you. Um, so we had <laughs> – both had the Cardinals winning. Uh, you had them winning by 10. Um, sadly for you, I had them winning by 12. Um, <laughs> so I will take that one. Um, now, one of the big games um, I think everyone was kind of looking forward to at the weekend was the Raiders at the Chiefs. And this game did not disappoint, um, unless you're a Chiefs fan. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think we both had, yeah, we did. We both had the, the Chiefs winning this um, and at times it looked like they might um, and then there was times that yeah it just didn't look like they were gonna uh, they had a terrible um, fourth quarter fight terrible second half um, I had in my notes um, as I was watching the game that the Chiefs just didn't seem to send out an offense in the second half this was my game of the week um, I thought this was going to be a really a closer game than some people might have anticipated I think that like I said, the, the Raiders are on the up. I think that the, the Chiefs are still one of the best teams in the league, but um, apparently they lost to the Raiders, so maybe the Raiders are a better team. No, so <laughs> it's it's definitely, you know, the, the Raiders came out, they had an exceptional game plan. I think that they played uh, the, the perfect game to to make the, the Chiefs um, have str- struggle. But Ruggs had, and talk about coming out parties, he just – Played great. Um, he definitely had a breakout game. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I hate him. Adam, my fantasy team, I got a notification about five minutes before kickoff saying that he was active. He'd been upgraded to active. And I was like, it's only five minutes before the game. They can't be that sure of him. So I left him off the team. And then oh, he goes and no. scores 20 fantasy points. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of him. Uh, <laughs> I'll trade you. I will be next week. <laughs> I will be next week when he gives me a bunch of points. But, yeah, um, I, I was going to lose this week at, week's matchup anyway, so it's fine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Raiders I... Chiefs. 
was billed as, as a really big game. Yeah. Derek Carr, though, played with so much confidence. Um, and it, you could see that confidence spreading throughout that offensive line as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what caught the Chiefs off guard. Because typically, you know, Carr's just kind of a, a dump it kind of throw. You know, he just, those mm-hmm. short passes, just dump it off. But he came out and he threw a lot of deep balls. And that's something that he's never really tried to do all season. And uh, I think through the first four weeks of the year, the Raiders only had one play of 40 yards or more. And yeah, uh, and and their win on Sunday, the Raiders had four of those. So Carr threw for 347 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, he outthrew Patrick Mahomes. The, the Raiders are looking really good this year. And it was a this was a great game to watch. Um, just a, a word on on his throwing. He threw to eleven different receivers. Wow! Um, so I mean, he was hitting double digit receivers. Each guy getting, um, I think the most was Darren Waller got seven throws at him. That was the most that anyone got thrown at them. Um, so it, it just kind of shows that yeah, he he was using everyone um, to break down that. So Kansas really probably. And on defense, we're probably like, well, God, who's he going to throw it to next? <laughs> the coach? Um, <laughs> see John, John Gruden running on. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he just he went after everyone in that receiving team. Um, he utilized them all. And I, I think that's what won them the game. I think it, he had so many guys that he went to. Um, not that you would always rely on them, but he went, he, he did in this one. Um, and I think that's what broke down the Chiefs and, and, Dave, their defense was just like, God, who are we going to go after now? Because every time we pick someone off, he goes to someone else that we just don't think he's ever going to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we both had uh, um, the Chiefs to win this one. So we both fall on our faces yet again. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the next game that you've got? Uh, Jaguars at Texans. So this is a game that you and I both said are the Texans going to come out and finally win a game for their new coach? Uh, you, you said that it doesn't really ha- – it happens in American sports uh, way more often than it happens over there across the pond uh, for, yes. <laughs> for soccer teams. But sure enough, the Texans did exactly that. They came right out and uh, won their first game for their new head coach. Um, Jacksonville now has their worst start since 2015. But I don't think it's anything to really be – nervous about for Texans fans I or I'm sorry for Jaguars fans because like if for Texans fan being one of four I'd be nervous but for Jaguars fans I think that this is kind of what we were expecting to see um there this was the worst game that they've played so far I feel this this season um they, they've always I felt like they've always kind of been in some of these uh, other close games that they've ended up losing but it just nothing really seemed to be clicking for the Jaguars uh all game and especially that fourth quarter it was just they just handed the, the game away um but it was nice yeah. to see that the texans come out and start playing to their ability um and hopefully this is kind of them you know turning turning the tables and turning their season around and they'll hopefully be able to to make the playoffs as, as a wild card team yeah so i've said it uh, over the last couple of weeks uh garden Minshew in the fourth quarter disappears um, he, he's he's usually fine for the first three quarters, although he, he probably wasn't in this game. But in the fourth quarter, in particular, um, he he just kind of disappears, mm-hmm. um, or or throws balls away. And 
I think he was he didn't throw any interceptions surprisingly um compared compared to to Watson who, who threw two interceptions but he just I I just don't think he can control an offense the way that maybe a Watson can or even a Kyler Murray um or a Herbert can I, I I sometimes just don't think that his guys are on the same page as he is yeah it it seems they got to figure out what's going on on third down they're terrible on third down um they're just nothing really seems to be clicking for them um in the second half of the game and you know i think that that does come down to coaching um but again if if your coach is calling a good play and you're not actually completing that third down pass you're not it's a team sport so everyone needs to kind of turn it around i i think that Minshew is a a good quarterback. I don't know if he's a MVP, you know, kind of caliber quarterback, but Drew Brees was the same way when he played for the Chargers. That's the whole reason why the Chargers drafted Phillip Rivers. Maybe he just needs to have a little bit of competition come in. Maybe the Jaguars draft another quarterback, give him some competition, and then he's able to turn it around. But this is a young team, and I think that they'll they'll turn it around. Um, I just not against teams like the Texans because they they have way too much talent on that team to to be one and four yeah definitely um so we kind of split here so i taken jacksonville to win uh you taking houston to win so you take uh, this game so well done oh yeah um now the next game i've got is the ravens and the bengals now um this was probably the welcome to the league that Joe Burrows has not been looking forward to happening. Um, he was sacked seven times, and basically, <laughs> the Ravens' defense just shut the Bengals down to three points. Yeah, and I was watching this game, and I was like, oh, I bet that James's heart is breaking just a little bit more every time that they show this I game was. on Redstone, <laughs> because Joe Burrow had a very, very unpleasant welcome to the NFL party against the the Ravens this week. Sacked seven times and hit 15. I mean, I bet it felt like he got hit by a truck the next day. Um, He just got, he just got rocked. And they, that, that Bengals offensive line has got to get better. They've, uh, they've got to get better. There's, there's no reason that the rookie quarterback should be getting hit that much. It's, the, the Bengals never even really had a chance in this game. I think that the no. the Ravens scored 17 points on their first three possessions. And so, you know, what's th- that, that's a huge hole to try and dig yourself out of. So it was, um, it was a, a sad game for, for Joe Burrow fans. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, and Joe, Joe Mixon, who had been amazing last week, uh, rushing the ball, he, he carried it 24 times for 59 yards um, and that's that's two point five of an average. That's that's just not going to get you anywhere, no. um, anywhere near. So yeah, t- terrible game for uh, Joe Burrows and and the Bengals offensive line, I would say. Um, but on the flip side, pretty decent game. And, and I, again, I I think Lamar Jackson's probably in like second gear uh, in this game and just kind of cruising um, and just taking it nice and easy. And they didn't have anyone come in from this week uh, like they did last week um, <laughs> when they, they, they had some subs come in um, to throw the ball away. Um, <laughs> so they didn't do that this week. Um, so, okay, you had to get the Ravens winning by 12. 
Um, I had the Ravens winning by 21, nah. so I'll, I will take that one. Um, what is the, the next game that you have? The Panthers and the Falcons. And, wow, first of all, let me just say, I am so glad that I was able to get Mike Davis off of waivers for fantasy because he the Panthers have not missed a beat with losing Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it, Mike Davis filled in more than admirably as McCaffrey's replacement. And he scored, uh, had over, I think, 149 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the, it was it was a great game for the Panthers. But keep in mind, they played against the Falcons, and the Falcons' defense is dismal. It is such a bad defense. Um, he Matt Ryan also threw a interception into the end zone with under nine minutes left and that kind of sealed the deal for Atlanta um and they're they're owned five for the first time since 1997 so it's it's sad times in Atlanta I don't think that Todd Gurley was expecting that um when he decided to go to the Falcons um and I was talking with another friend about the Falcons uh and he was saying he's like man I feel like ever since the Falcons played in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and they gave up that, that 24 point uh, lead in, in the Super Bowl in the second half. It's kind of been like that for them ever since uh, with their defense, just unable to hold a lead and um, playing really, really sad. <laughs> We've, we'd seen it already this mm-hmm. season. Uh, they were pretty big and then they got beat by the Cowboys. Um, they, they gave that game yep. away. Um, some would say that it was a bit luck on the, the watermelon kick and everything else. But um, at the end of the day, they still lost that game. So, uh, And they had been up big. Um, obviously, there's a, a big casualty of, of this loss uh, for the Falcons, and that is that they fired uh, their head coach, Dan Quinn. Now, Dan Quinn last season, it has to be noted, that um, through the first eight games of last season, they were 1-7. Uh, and they rallied the second half of the season. Uh, this year, however, the, the owners have decided that, yeah, we're not going to take that chance this year. Um, and, and they've just outright fired them. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the GM as well. So um, one thing that we've kind of doesn't seem to happen in other sports, but does happen in the NFL, is that the GM tends to go um, as well. Um, so he's gone. Um They've got a whole week left um, before they, they play again. Um, are we going to see a much of the same for Falcons or are we going to see a Texans style where they come in and, and win it for the new coach? Yeah, I mean, I just – maybe. I, but they're a good team. I, I feel like they're, they're such a good offense. I, I don't know. I feel like the, the head coach, the GM, and the defensive coordinator all should have been fired um but I guess then you, know, you can't bring in an entire new coaching staff on and be like all right now let's play next week so it's they, they have yeah. a lot of struggles um I feel I, I feel like when you and I have been talking about coaches that have been on the hot seat we've been talking about how terrible the Atlanta Falcons are but I never really kind of thought of Dan Quinn as being on the hot seat it makes perfect sense because there's no reason that this team should be 0-5 uh, so it makes perfect sense that he was let go and hopefully he'll be able to, to find an, another like coordinator position next year in the NFL. But it was, uh, it's really too bad that that Falcons is that talent or, you know, winless so far. 
That's it. Um, so we will quickly move it along then to the Dolphins at the 49ers. Um, this was a game I was actually looking forward to. I thought it'd be a, a pretty open game, um, but it really wasn't. It was the complete opposite. Um, the Dolphins and Fitzmagic, I even think I sent yep. you a message uh, in the first <laughs> half saying, oh, Fitzmagic's actually turned up to this game. Um, and, and he really did. I mean, that first half was pretty spectacular from, from Miami. And they, they really just kept the foot on the, the 49ers. And Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, it was almost as if he hadn't even shown he, up. I'm sure that fantasy owners wish that he wouldn't have shown up because he just gave them negative <laughs> points. It Jimmy G, yeah. he was back in the starting lineup and everyone was like, all right, we got a lousy one and three Dolphins coming in. This will be an easy game for you to get back into the swing of things. And he just... Yeah, he was horrible. Um, it, I understand completely why he was he was benched, and hopefully he can get his head and get healthy, um, get his head right and get healthy before this next game. But maybe you know everyone was starting to say like, yeah, it's Tua time in Miami. Let's get Tua in." Um, but Ryan Fitzpatrick got one more chance, and he, boy, did he ever make the most of it! Um, so he had a monster performance. He played great. He got a very unexpected win. Um, over San Francisco, and it's uh, I, I never saw the Dolphins even really having a, a chance in this game after after the way no. they played the week before. But they uh, they played probably the best game uh, that, that that they've played all season. Yeah, um, it was a pretty dismal game. Um, just before we go to the score on this one, um, just going back to quickly the, the Panthers-Falcons. So you had the uh, Panthers winning by seven, and they did win by seven. So you take that one. Um, for this game, the 49ers and the Dolphins, um, we both took San Francisco. So we, we both lose on that one. Um, what, what's, what's the next game that you got? The Colts at the Browns. And... Oh, I, this, this game was not what I thought either. I thought that Phillip Rivers was kind of the answer for the Colts, but maybe they were better off with uh, Jacoby Brissett. I, you know, Phillip Rivers is not really coming in and being the, the, the quarterback. I think the Colts were expecting. Um, it was, it was not a, a the prettiest of games for the Colts. I think that maybe this is a good team that tries to trade for Le'Veon Bell because they lost Marlon Mack to the season. And uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, is a rookie and he, it's not that he's playing bad, but can you imagine if Rivers was handing the ball off to Bell? I think that would be a total game changer. And hopefully T.Y. Hilton would be able to show up to some games because I feel like he's hasn't even been mentioned. He's been an afterthought for the entire season. Um, but yeah, the, the Browns are looking really good. And Odell Beckham Jr., he is back. And uh, Hunt, he was looking great. He didn't need Nick Chubb in there. Uh, so it's it was – I didn't expect the, the Browns to win so dominantly. Uh, but Miles Garrett is looking great this year for the Browns defense. It, the Browns are they're, – they're getting better every week, and that's what they needed to do. Um, so it's it was a great game. Yeah, I thought um, Odell Beckham Jr. being the quarterback this week. Uh, last week it was um, uh, Landry. <laughs> um, so they, they did a bit of switching roles there. Uh, but I, I actually, I have to give my hands out to, to Baker Mayfield. Um, he, 
I mean, 37 for 21 isn't great in two interceptions, but the, the plays that he did make um, were important plays. And um, the plays that he kind of threw away were just silly mistakes. Um, but the pl- plays that you really wanted them hit on, he did hit them. Um, and I thought he had a probably his best game of the season where he was the star. Although he's got Odell Beckham Jr., he's got Kareem Hunt, um, he's got Landry. Um, I actually did feel that he was actually the star of this game for the first time this season. So it's taken him five weeks. Um, and, and the offense just seems to work so well. Uh, and like you say, the defense is pretty solid. They they gave up 23 points to a, a pretty decent quarterback who um, probably wasn't having the greatest of games. Um, and, and we've seen it a couple of times this season. Philip Rivers just hasn't really kind of gotten self going so bringing in Levy and Bell may kind of take a bit of pressure off um, we both um, went different ways in this game so you had went for the Colts mm-hmm. by three uh, but I'd went for the Browns by two so um, I, I'll take <laughs> this one um, now the next game we've already spoken about um, Dak Prescott so we'll, we'll not go over that but we're going to go to the Cowboys Giants now um, you had had the, the Cowboys by mm-hmm. 20 and I thought, and I went by 10, um, and I thought, you know what, it's probably going to be in the middle. It's probably going to be at 14, 15 points, um, and we're going to fight this one out. Uh, but it was really a really bad start to the game, exactly what we've seen through the other three or four weeks. And I, it was really just a Cowboys team still without a defense. But when Prescott left the game and Andy Dalton came in, Andy Dalton threw the ball away and had to jump on it and everything else. But all of a sudden, the defense turned up. Well, and and suddenly the Cowboys win a game that they probably weren't going to win. Yeah, it's uh, and one thing too that neither one, one of us mentioned when we were doing last week's episode was who is the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants now? Oh yeah, yeah, but no, and I mean <clears> like, <throat> that's the thing. This guy, Jason Garrett, is now the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. He knows that defense. Yeah. I mean, granted, there's new coaches in there and stuff, but he knows how those guys play. He could build an ideal yeah. game plan to go up against the Dallas Cowboys, a weak Cowboys defense, regardless of, you know, there being new coaches. He still knows how the, those guys play. And um, so I think that, that that's one of the reasons I think that this game was as close as it was. Um, but yeah. yeah, we talked, we already talked about the Dak injury. Um, but I think that the reason that the game probably was so close was because of the Jason Garrett effect and, um, the Cowboys that, you know, it was a big shock when the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton, they're kind of like, wow. So they're signing Andy Dalton to be the backup to Dak. Um, does that mean that Dak's on his way out? But how lucky are the Cowboys now that they have a super experienced former starter in Andy Dalton starting for them for the rest of the season. I mean, granted he was let go of the Bengals because um, so he's not, you know, a, a, a superstar or whatever, but this is a guy that's been in games, a lot of games before as a starter. And I think that they're in a very good situation, um, even though they lost Dak Prescott. Yeah. I mean, I think Andy Dalton came in, and if I'm honest, uh, I remember him signing 
um, during the off season, and I was like, he, I was when Dak went down, I was like, hang on, who's our who's our backup? <laughs> like, I totally forgot who who our backup was because the Cowboys are one of these teams. They're a bit like the Saints. You don't think about who the backup is, and then all of a sudden Bridgewater came on the scene. Um, so yeah, Dalton came in. Um, he was all right. Uh, he he handled himself. Um, and I think, though, that the offensive line were kind of like him. When, when he had that fumble, I think the offensive line kind of got around him and said, look, man, we've, we've got your back. Um, we're not going to let anything happen. Just, you know, go out there, get your reps, um, get warmed up because you've probably got a long <laughs> season ahead of you. <laughs> um, and he will now have a long season ahead of him, which you know, it is a byproduct of, of what injuries happen and, you know, next man up mentality. And, and I hope Andy Dalton takes us by the, the scruff of the neck. He had a horrible deal uh, with the Bengals and, and nothing really worked out out there. Um, so I hope it works yeah. out for him because I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, it, you never probably like to come in um, to this kind of situation, but he's there mm-hmm. and he, he kind of dealt with it. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, I didn't think showed up in this game. I, I thought he was poor again um, and just didn't, he just, he just doesn't seem to do much. Um, Gallup made a couple of amazing catches off of Andy Dalton. Um, he really, I, I think, won the game for us, uh, got us into kicking range and, and won that game for us. So, um, it was a tough one. Um, I, I take the win on this one because um, you had them winning by 20. I had them winning by 10. So um, it was a close, close game and all. Next up on my uh, list here is Seattle and Minnesota. And wow, what a sloppy but exciting game. I This game, I seriously was on the edge of the couch watching the entire <laughs> last drive. It was so good. And I feel like the Seahawks are always in games like this. I feel like they're always in like, what's going to happen? Are they going to be able to stop them? Are they going to catch it? It's always an exciting game like this with the Seahawks. And somehow they always end up getting getting those miraculous catches or, or mind-blowing stops at the goal line. And um, But what a great game. Um, the Vikings played awesome against uh, what Russell Wilson, the, the majority of the game. They really shut down Wilson and Metcalf. And um, I think Tyler Lockett only had like three catches for the entire game or something. He was basically four. Oh, yeah, yes. He was basically a non-factor. But um, it was it was such an exciting end to the game for Seahawks fans and for football fans. If you're a Vikings fan, I'm sure it was pretty heartbreaking. But um, Dalvin Cook also went out with a, an injury. It's not, I think that he's going to miss just one or two weeks. Um but it didn't really seem like they missed him because Madison played, I think, even better than Dalvin Cook did um, as, as a fill-in. Um, they, you know, it's still a heartbreaking loss. They lost, you know, on the final play, you know, by one point. Um, but what an exciting game for Seahawks fans. Yeah, um, I, I watched it on Good Morning Football uh, the next morning before I actually watched the the game itself, um, seeing a lot of the highlights, and 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 it just seemed to be at the end of the game, 
that the players that Russell Wilson has relied on all season stepped up at the end of the game to to grind out a win. Um, it's something that we've seen of the Seahawks over the last couple of weeks. They've just ground out wins, and um, yet again, they've, they've Russell Wilson has has channeled his uh, what is it he said is uh, oh the the. The, I was going to say the Supersonics <laughs> player, but she's not. <laughs> she's a Seattle Storm player, uh, Sue Bird. Um, so, he, yeah, with defense. So and he he gave a big shout out in his press conference to the CS to the Seahawks defense as well. Um, he he thanked them for the win um, at, at the end there. So um, yeah, I, I thought Russell Wilson continuing his MVP type season uh, and and just kind of had one interception. Um, he's he's done pretty well uh, in that regard when it's come to interceptions. But you're right, the Vikings did cut out his passing um, quite vehemently. Uh, Russell Wilson carried the ball more yards than anyone else. Um, Chris Carson was pretty mm-hmm. much a non-factor. Uh, Travis Homer didn't really do a whole whole bunch. So no, I, I think the Seahawks were well worth the win. But it was towards the end of that game. Like you were on the edge of your seat, kind of, oh, mm-hmm. can they do it, can they do it, can they do it? So, um, no, no, well done to, to the Seahawks. Um, we have both taken the Seahawks in this game. Oh, it's close. Uh, so, um, I had taken them by seven. Uh, yeah. You had taken them by four. Uh, so, so you win this one. Um, the Monday night game. Uh, was the Chargers and the Saints. And and I don't think this game disappointed whatsoever. Um, This was probably, for me, the game of the week. Um, It was so close, so tight, all the way through. uh, And we've seen, uh, yet again, Herbert go up against a huge quarterback uh, in terms of reputation. Um, Given he's already went up against Mahomes, Brady, and now Breeze, uh, you know, he's not had it easy. It's been a bit of a baptism of fire for him. But he doesn't throw any any interceptions. He throws for four touchdowns. I thought, yeah, again, he just looked Mm -hmm. like a seasoned Yeah, and I mean, the first half of the game, I was ready for Drew Brees to retire. I was like, why? He looks... He, why did he come back? Drew Brees, why, you should have just retired. But, man, did he ever come back in the second half? Um, and went, he went 21 for 25 for 230 yards in the second half. I mean, that's, that's what, yeah. I guess that's what veteran quarterbacks do. And that's what he needed to do to, to get his game. It was definitely uh, – he had that really costly uh, almost uh, pick six where he, the Chargers defense was, I think, stopped at the one. But, I mean, the Chargers had, I think, like a 20-point lead at one time or a 17-point lead. And it's like, ooh, well, at least it's Drew Brees that's in there. That he, I think he might be able to come back and at least put them in the game. Um, and they did. So I think that's what you get with some of these veteran quarterbacks is kind of like, okay, well, this is nothing new. I mean, no one likes to be in this position. But they – went right back out there, made adjustments, and uh, he cleaned up his game. And, man, Emmanuel Sanders had a great game. Um, it's really too bad that Michael Thomas had to punch his teammate and missed the game. Uh, I think that they would have really liked having Michael Thomas there. But Emmanuel Sanders filled in very admirably, and former Bronco uh, Benny Fowler had some catches too. So it was it was an exciting game. I think that uh, Herbert is 
going to be quite the quarterback. I think, you know, both Burrow and Herbert, rookie quarterbacks, and they're coming into the league and they're looking very good. Yeah, it was the Saints did probably what a veteran team, a veteran quarterback should do. Uh, they came out, played this, the, well, in their case, the fourth quarter, uh, played it to perfection. And that OT, you know, they, they kind of ground it out at the end just to get the, the field goal. Um, it was it was a tough one. Um, and I think if you're Justin Herbert, you're thinking, I nearly <laughs> had him. Um, but fast and furious, I almost had you. Um, and Justin Herbert's had that a couple of times now. Um, he had it against Mahomes. Uh, hopefully the Chargers, and by the looks of it, we spoke about uh, Tyrod Taylor a bit earlier on. Um, Herbert's got the faith in the the in the coach, and the coach has said his job's safe. Um, and, and I really hope it is, and I hope they give him these opportunities to go up against these defenses and up against these other quarterbacks or veterans that you know they've been. Breeze showed his maturity and showed his uh, just willingness to to throw everything at it and you know knuckle down. And yeah, I thought I thought the Saints were they were well worth the win. Um, but, you know, they came up against a Chargers team that I think is going to push teams, good teams, um, all season long. And I think the Chargers on the back of that will probably pick up a couple of wins down the stretch, um, which will give guys like Herbert and the, that young team uh, a good boost of confidence as well. I mean, they should take a lot of confidence from this game um, because I think they've, they've done particularly well. Um, the last game that we have, isn't actually been played yet. Um, it's been played tonight. Um, it's Bills at the Titans. Um, it was affected by COVID um, and some more Titans players um, testing positive. I think it was a coach um, uh, before the weekend. Uh, so that that's kind of put pains to to covering that game. We'll we'll kind of cover off um, in our week six preview. Uh, well, week six already. Um, week six preview. Uh, once that game has actually happened. But overall, Katie, a pretty good Yeah, it was three games, you know, edge of your seat kind of action. Um, and, well, there's been a lot of changes with, with COVID. So we're going to have to just kind of take and see what, what each week kind of throws at us. But it's been, it's been some exciting football. And I think now, like you said, week five is in the books for the most part. Um, and this typically would be week one with, you know, if we had four weeks of preseason. So I think that from here on out, we can kind of expect there to be some really exciting games. Yeah, I think we did see a lot of teams kind of find their stride. Uh, somewhat. Um, it was a bye week for the Packers and Lions um, because of COVID, ended up being a bye week for the Patriots and the Broncos. The Broncos Patriots will play this Sunday. Um, and they're kind of, there's been a lot of changes. What what I'm not going to do is, <laughs> is go through all of the, the scheduling changes because there's so many of them. Um, so what we'll do is we'll just take it week by week, uh, go with what we've got um, and, and see how we go. But thank you so much for, for joining us, Katie. Have you got anything uh, yeah, to just, just listen to my podcast, Rocky Mountain Marketing, and uh, follow me on the socials. And of course, join our Facebook group. Um, we have a lot of fun in there and uh, good conversations and always kind of try to keep you guys up to date with breaking news as soon as we hear from it. 
Awesome. Uh, one thing we'll, we'll just finish on then is um, last week uh, we both took out the, the Falcons and Broncos from making the playoffs. Um, is there another team? That you so we've taken out the Falcons, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Jets from making the playoffs. Yes. Oh, man. See, I'm now this is when it's going to start getting tricky. Um, I think that I think I'm going to take the Dolphins. Um, despite them beating the 49ers pretty handedly uh, last week, I think that uh, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. Okay. Um, that probably is a bit of a shock to me. But then you're maybe thinking he's, if it's magic. Exactly. He's he's too much, much of a roller coaster. I mean, if he was consistently Fitz magic, I would the, the Dolphins would be, you know, they wouldn't be <laughs> drafting quarterbacks with the in the first round. Um, so I think that he's just <laughs> yeah. he's just too hot and too cold. And uh, I mean, maybe they trade for Le'Veon Bell, get Bell over there, and uh, I mean, it's not that Gaskin isn't doing great, but he's it's not anything to really wow factor to, to make you have pause. Um, so I, I'm taking the Dolphins. Okay. Well, I'm taking another Florida team uh, and it's not the Buccaneers. Um, I'm taking the Jaguars. Um, I'm, I'm writing <laughs> them right out of the playoffs. Don't think, don't think they're going to make it. I, I think they have too many lapses in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. I think Minshew just, like I said earlier, I just don't think he's got a read. I don't think there's good communication between him and his offensive line. I just there's just something there that just doesn't sit well with him. So I am. All right, I think that's a good pick. And, and I mean, Jaguars, I think are on their way up, but they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. I don't think so. I think that's a good a good selection. No. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for joining us, Katie, and we will catch you on our week. All right, six sounds great. Preview. Well, what a great show we've had uh, with Katie and a big shout out to Sean uh, for coming on, Sean Palmer. Um, I'll give you his Instagram and, and Twitter again. So it's at Real Sean Palmer. So you can give him a follow. Also, um, his podcast, uh, The Doc Doc. Uh, Goose podcast so the DDG podcast Um, you can get them on the web as well www.ddgpodcast.com really interesting show that they have Uh, great to have Sean on the show Uh, certainly if we have any more gruesome injuries as Katie said uh, we'll be sure to get Sean back you can have chat with us about those Um, as for moving forward we have um, our preview show to week six coming up uh, this week. Um, there's no Thursday night football, uh, so we might stretch it out a little bit. Um, normally we do drop it before the Thursday night game, but we'll maybe go a bit longer uh, since we've got some time. Um, otherwise, have a great week. Um, as always, get us uh, on Facebook and Instagram, Across the Pond Sports Pod. Um, got a real kind of community kind of building there. It's great to see. And get us on Twitter as well at ATP Sports Pod. Um, yeah, we've got lots more followers on Instagram than we've had before. We've got a few ideas of shows coming up and a lot of feedback coming from people. So really happy to, to see all that coming in. Um, great to have you listening uh, for the show. Don't forget our presenting sponsor as well. Um, they are. Uh, fanatics uh, so please do 
um, when you're shopping for your fan gear, shop for Fanatics. We've got the, the links on our podcast uh, and on our social media feeds. So by all means, do get on there. And uh, as I've said a couple of times now, Christmas is almost upon us. Um, having to deal with Christmas people Christmas shopping already has not even had Halloween yet or even Thanksgiving. So that's been interesting um, but by all means uh, when you are shopping for your fan gear do do it at fanatics through our links it does help the podcast otherwise guys have a great week um, and we will talk real soon um, any questions by all means fire them in and we'll run some polls on our social media have a great week sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.